Yo, so what's going on? Nothing much, just craziness. Cool, cool. Yeah. Had to stay late with the with the kiddos. Yeah, no, they're um the one uh, the son was getting picked up. Oh, uh, gotcha, gotcha. to go to some go to some uh, basketball game at the high school. So him and his friends are gonna watch it. Gotcha, and then gotcha. just making sure my daughter is squared away. And then uh, my wife is with uh, her friend in the basement. I'm in the upstairs office, so we're all just kind of all over. trying to carve out our own little areas, oh, as you can man. imagine. I tell you, man, that that sounds it sounds adorable. So, uh, oh well, thank yeah, you. Yeah, man, that sounds adorable. <laughs> awesome. Um, yeah. So we were texting um, before, and this is, I mean, we, we'll get into the show organically or whatever. But you know, um, we were texting this week. This weekend, uh, we were talking about we were talking about a bunch of stuff. Uh, you hit me to a record that I recently ordered. Um, I had been looking for it for a while. Uh, sort of fell off my radar, and and lo and behold, you popped up with it and was yeah. like, "Hey, like this record right here is fire!" And I was like, "Yo, <laughs> how did you know that that this was the record I was looking for? You, you couldn't have known unless you were reading my no, mind not at all. or." creating the algorithms that you know or something like that if only um, i'd be a rich man if i was the algorithm man yeah That's yeah the algorithm man has all the power but yeah i mean <laughs> and, and so that was cool um we also talked a little bit about uh some future shows and stuff which was pretty dope uh this show is gonna be pretty awesome too um yeah got some interesting little little tidbits for like the vinyl small talk section that i was mm -hmm. just writing up while you were away um finished listening to uh first light uh by yeah. freddie hubbard crazy and that's uh, on cti that's when he was yeah, doing cti cti yep yep that's uh, the lineup's crazy uh you know ron carter who else is on this record ron carter is on this record um george benson's on this record mm -hmm. jack dijonet uh like mm -hmm. man like just classic classic stuff yeah um but before we get into that of course uh like i said some of the little things um, did you participate? I think I, I feel like I maybe saw your uh, top five jazz vinyl albums. Did you participate in that? I don't think so. IG, there was an IG tag. Mm -hmm. And I'm just learning about these tags. Yeah. Apparently not cool yet. Not, yeah, not yeah. Cool Apparently yet. they're all the rage, bro. So they're all the rage <laughs> all across the uh, all across the YouTube <laughs> and Instagram planet, which of course that's where we dwell mostly, right? Uh -huh. As as uh, as vinyl collectors, IG and YouTube are two big platforms for us. And uh, 
apparently, yeah, these tags are a big thing. So before I hop into that, I'm going to intro the show. You're watching or you're listening. Sorry. <laughs> you're watching Disney. No, <laughs> you're listening to another episode of the Record Spinner podcast. I'm your host, Noel, and I got the co-host, Ryan. We're just chilling tonight, talking about some vinyl talk. Uh, and we got a little topic, too, that we're going to discuss here at the at the tail end of the show. But uh, as I was saying, so Ryan, uh, there are these tags, apparently, where people are like just highlighting these records that they are really into and like, you know, and how they got them. Not really how they got them, but just like sort of, uh, you know, or, you know, their like latest finds, holy grail stuff, you know, all, all the all the big, all the cute stuff that vinyl is about. Right. Like, which is dope. I love all that stuff. It makes it fun makes it super interactive i think it encourages a lot of new people to get involved when they see stuff like that when they see us you know shining across or trending across the webs right um so it's awesome but uh what kim brown uh who is an ig guy who i follow he has a lot of followers like tons of followers um he started this tag on ig called uh it was supposed to be sort of uh sentimental i guess for every individual who participated um, it was supposed to be highlighting, you know, f- five top f- five jazz albums that you think are your favorite or that are your favorite, not that you think, but that are your favorite. Um, and they can be across. I, well, I took it as they can be across the, the subgenres of jazz. Apparently, I was wrong in that assumption. There are some people who, <laughs> who were like, oh, like this is a this is a spiritual jazz album. But I was <laughs> yeah. like, I didn't know we were dividing. I didn't know. I didn't know. I, I just heard jazz. So I just went with <laughs> my top five. Right. Um, but it was it took on it. It gained momentum and it, it sort of grew a life of its own. And I participated in it and I wanted to highlight it and shout it out. Um, and I thought I thought you participated in it, but you didn't. Okay, cool. Uh, if you had to say, would you be able to say on cue what your top five jazz? Vinyl? I can get you. I can get you three. Okay, that's good enough. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Chet Baker sings, hmm. uh, which I, we've talked about yeah, before, yeah, yeah. and just my personal connection to that. Um, kind of blue. I mean, hey, it just it's got to hey, be there. Hey, it has it's to. Be it there. has to be there. Yeah. I just don't, I don't think there's another jazz album that I just like physically know more than that. Yeah. Like uh, you and Tara, you, you guys were, when you guys were chopping it up and then like, um, as you were talking, I was like, man, I need to, I haven't listened to it in a while. So I listened to it the other night and I can't remember the last time I've actually spun it, mm-hmm. but like, that's like one of the few albums just because that's a big part of an undergraduate, like jazz education, yeah, yeah. whether it's vocal or instrumental um when you're in a jazz program like they always hip you to that album because from an educational perspective there's just there's so much there so much to learn yeah. um there's so much there from like in terms of like melodic construction and pro- like a new way of improvisation that would be very trend-setting essentially um so that's like the one album where i mean i can like i can sing all the solos nice like, nice like i can i can hear all the solos and when the solos come on you know you know i can do continue. i want the free show come on right continue right (laughs) now you get to the coltrane solos it gets a little bit hard to try to imitate obviously but you know i can that's the album that i really that really 
you know, like for myself and for many other folks, that's yeah. like the one that kind of gets them into. Um, as you know, I'm a Blue Note fan. So, um, you know, definitely whether it be, you know, Art Blakey and the Jazz Messengers, Mosaic. Um, Mosaic is not necessarily like, you know, when most people think Blakey, Messengers, Blue Note, mm -hmm. they almost always go to Monin. Yeah, but yeah, mosaic mosaic has mosaic just has like a, a sentimental kind of timing because that was actually really my first like real legit like blue note that i ever really spun nice. so it's always going to hold a pretty special place because i remember spinning that and just like almost like laughing chuckling to myself at how like at how amazing it was sounding yeah you hear the horn blast on the first title track and you're just like wow that's awesome. um but that's definitely that's definitely three um i'll stick it there no that's that's great um yeah i mean i thought it was a really cool little task I, again i mean leave it to us to sort of murky the waters I, I the way i read his post originally was just supposed to be hey these are five, your five favorite jazz albums that don't really maybe they're popular maybe they're you know maybe they're underground classics whatever but you know these are your go-tos. These are your, you know, uh, your your five all-time favorites, and uh, I, I followed that assignment accordingly. And I, I and I liked all of uh, the tags. I think I think I, I went through Instagram that tag on Instagram and like just like tried to like as many as I could because there were so many that were very insightful. A lot around some of the common jazz records that we just talked about like i mean and you and, and it just shows you how important uh those records are uh to yeah. our community i mean like kind of blue i mean as cliche as it sounds because i mean i feel like i bring it up in damn near every episode regardless yeah. of who i'm talking to um, well it's kind of con it's connected to almost your ep when you were talking about standards yeah yeah it, it's, it's sort like, of a standard album <laughs> yeah there's yeah. you know there's basically quote unquote standard classic cuts that are timeless for a very obvious reason yeah um you know there's a number of you know you can throw in a number of coltrane albums in there a number mm -hmm. of you know horace silver lee morgan albums yeah. in there yeah man um you know when you when you do these kind of surveys or tags or pop-ups you know you're going to see a lot of these standard cuts kind of repeat themselves you which yeah I mean, that's just, <laughs> you know, where, um, where it is with jazz, man. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and, and I think that's the, it's the beauty. It's a, it's a beautiful part of it because I think for every, every person who, who I read, um, who had a little blurb about, you know, how they came to the music, um, it's always a, it's either a starting point or it's a place where, you know, they, they found a certain level of footing at, at a certain place. Speaking of uh, Tara, I want to shout out. Tara, and I'm going to give her a round of applause for an amazing episode um, that uh, she uh, provided to the Record Spinner podcast. Um, it was a real doozy having her. I really appreciated all her insights. Um, yeah, yeah, she'll be back on. She'll be back on, and and we'll all three powwow. So yeah, it was yeah. A, it was a really good, really good episode. Uh, she talked about a lot of amazing stuff. Uh, kind of Blue came up then uh, for her. It was one of those albums that she listened to at first and it was like ah and then she came back to it and was like yo like I, I think i understand this now and sometimes it takes that right it takes that little bit of living sometimes to be like oh i think i get it or you know well, mm -hmm. maybe. oh yeah. yeah i mean um you know when i was first exposed to kind of blue 
it was really from an educational academic perspective. Mm. It's an undergraduate jazz program. And it's basically your professor is basically saying, you need to listen to this. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, this is what I want you to listen for. This is how I want you to analyze it. This is what I want you to interpret. Like, it's very like, you're doing this as an assignment kind of thing. Mm, yeah, <laughs> so, I would have I hated that. that yeah. <laughs> and to be honest with you, it's like, when you when when you first come to it from that perspective, it really doesn't it doesn't hit and doesn't land. Yeah, I could only imagine. Yeah, um, I appreciated it academically, but I wasn't really I wasn't feeling it. Yeah, because it was a grade. You know, you wanted yeah, to get this exactly. shit over with. Exactly. You know, like, but and, yeah. you know, and for your for your typical 18, 19, 20 year old, I mean, it's just it's just a thing that you're doing right. just to kind of get from point A to point B. That's but as an adult, you know, as an adult, it's like. Um, you have the you have the space yeah. to to enjoy it. Not yeah. saying that non-adults can't enjoy that, but I know for me, it's very it rare. It took some. It took years. It's very rare. It, That's a really good point, Ryan. Yeah. So I, I wanted to shout out uh, what Kim Brown um, his tag. I wanted to shout that out because it was pretty cool assignment. I like stuff like that. Um, I feel like the tags on YouTube, and I've been like kind of surfing YouTube lately, and um, a lot of it's based in tags. I don't know if we're going to ever get into that, Ryan, unless you, I mean, if you want to, if we, if you ever want to do an episode where we're just like tagging stuff, like, 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 Hey, like, you know, I got this from here. This is the top five albums I got from 2021 or something. If you want to do stuff like that, we could totally do it. But I don't know, like, that's kind of, that's not something I'm super into. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I've appreciated about our, our, our podcasts, our, our EPs, the things that you've done with, um, the show and others. Um, I like the in-depthness, right? Yeah. Um, there's something about, and I, I'm, I am not a tagger in that sort. And, uh, I don't, I, I don't really follow that kind of that scene. Yeah. Um, it's interesting, but it, it does, uh, it almost has like a surface level yeah. of like consuming appreciation like yeah. it's it's an it's an appreciation type thing and yeah. it's connecting people together um you know there's one there, there's one thing that i i that re reminds me like one of the things that you and tara were talking about mm -hmm. and she had mentioned was like you know on 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 ig don't just like post a picture or something mm -hmm. like talk about Tell it share about your it. reaction to it yeah. share yeah. your response or any emotions to it give me something so yeah. like yeah, so I'm just fearful that it's like, you know, yeah. you're going to post something on IG, put a tag on it, pass it on, and and that's yeah, it. I don't I don't know. I can't. I, 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 I'm very uneducated with the tag stuff um, as far as like, I mean, I went through, like I said, I did some research yesterday and, and earlier this week and today even uh, where I went through just looking at some YouTube content. And the thing that I was noticing was a lot of it was based in tags. So like it was just based on like these very, like you said, surface level. And that's not bad because one, like <laughs> that, that actually gets people into like sort of, I think the curiosity that like, okay, like here's a good record I should check out if, if, but for no other reason, but for the, the album artwork, right. You know, but, so I, I get it on that level. But the thing I kept asking myself out of all the videos and 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 the and the content came from young and old alike. It was very weird because anytime I look to my elders in the community, I, I usually they usually provide some of that 
that content that I aspire to, like we aspire to have, right? That like that depthness of like just kind of talking about how they found music, where it comes from. But even uh, a lot of our elders in the community who who participate in the tags, um, sh- sort of had, and maybe it was just the episode I was watch episodes I was watching, and not their entire channel. So I, I, again, I can't make that blanket claim, but I definitely can. Uh, test that yeah it was i was i was hoping for i was waiting for that moment where they were gonna say this is this is what i think about this record but it, it just kept being like hey i got this record next record got this record and i'm like yeah. oh okay <laughs> cool yeah. i mean it's, like i said it's good content um i support it because it's vc right like and mm-hmm. i support we we all support each other right um but yeah it was very it was very interesting to me and i was like oh, i don't know uh, maybe maybe we should look into doing a tag episode one day right just 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 blanket like 30 minutes just me and you going back and forth hey this is what i got this is what i got you know so yeah i don't know if you're if you're down i'm down uh um, I, i'll make it work okay i'll make it work. <laughs> you sound reluctant okay we won't do it <laughs> i'll make it work okay um yeah, so so next I want to go. I want to kind of get into uh, our vinyl recommendations. This came uh, due to Ryan telling me he was running late. I was like, oh, let me add this section into the episode um, because I have some heat that I've been listening to that I haven't yeah. really talked about lately. Uh, both of us are on a vinyl. What would you call it? Not hiatus, but like we're not buying vinyl right now, essentially, right? Like I I, I bought that one that you recommended. Yeah. Um, and that I was looking for previous. Um, but that I think that was literally the first record I bought in at least three weeks, which is crazy. Crazy to even think about. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, most of my consistent stuff, you know, would be kind of from the jazz reissue space. But in that space, either things are just back ordered or um, like tone poets, like I think in February, they're going to start to pick up. Mm-hmm. again uh in terms of where joe harley's trying to do the two kind of per period um but you know just through rti and um kind of global production stuff i mean they were on a little bit of a a pause in their production but that's going to start picking back up um in february so yeah it's been just one of those things where it's like yeah a, a nice welcome lull yeah yeah uh, i, I, I gonna, checked my bank account and was like hold on what is, what is this doing here and i was like oh yeah i haven't you know i haven't spent 300 dollars on records this month <laughs> so that made me made me feel happy a little bit um but yeah so i have i have two records today um both of these i got in baltimore uh my most recent trip um to baltimore where i hung out with a friend there i think i mentioned that in our last episode ryan where me and you got together just chopping it up but this record you mentioned horace silver and it was ironic that you did because mm-hmm. this is my favorite horace That's silver cool. record this yeah. record right here to me and, and I can't say it like it's his, it's his best, right? Because songs from my father is like obviously like that's his. It's considered like his quintessential, right? Like that's like his 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 thing. But that healing feeling, this is the record that I'm highlighting today from Horace Silver and Horace Silver Quintet with vocals. It's the United States of Mind, Phase One. Uh, it was I think it was, it was his attempt at some like some spiritual jazz, something a little bit more. <laughs> than the bop and uh, the stuff that he was doing before. Um, Not saying that it was a failed attempt. It was an interesting attempt, I think. I love most of the songs on the record. It's a 
overall, I think it's an A-plus record. Um, the funny thing about the, the lineup, though, is that there's a tenor saxophonist who's playing on this record, Houston Person, who I actually saw in Baltimore the last time I was there in person. I saw him at the Keystone Corner, uh, and that's in, uh, in the harbor, or the I think it's Fells Point, technically, as the neighborhood is called. But, um, but yeah, I saw him with a group. He was with a pianist whose name escapes me right now. Please charge it to my head, not my heart. But uh, he was fire, like crazy, crazy um, saxophonist. And just, yeah, yeah. even on this record, I mean, going back and listening to it today and picking apart, like his part, his pieces was just like, whoa, like this guy is, I mean, how, how did I not hear about him before? It's crazy, but that just goes to show you, you know, there's so many amazing, talented musicians in this community that you just sometimes just go unheard, you know, go under, yeah. underdiscovered, as I like to call it, because they, they're famous, they're known, you know, but they're just, you know, not as known as they should be. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, uh, my favorite tracks on uh, this, that healing feeling, uh, probably Nobody Knows and A Happy Medium, The Happy Medium. That's those two. The Happy Medium is like, essentially like once you listen to this song it's like yo like i like the happy like i have the power to possess happiness in my from my own thoughts like that's essentially the whole the whole concept of the song And then, of course, uh, Nobody Knows is sort of a more seductive, uh, sensual, sexual song about nudity and sex and all that stuff. favorite pieces on that on that lp so my second one 
is First Light. This is what I was listening to before we hopped on. This is kind of a beat up copy that I have, as you can see, Ryan. Uh, hey, man. People That's great to me. Can't see. Yeah, it, no, it's just sort of scratched up on the cover. I have a better copy because it's a reissue copy that I have as well. Um, but this copy right here I got from uh, Baltimore. And man, I love that record. Everything about First Light. It's just the, I think it's Freddie Hubbard at his best. I'm not going to say it's his best work because uh, you know he has so many classic works but um it is it's top top freddie for sure top freddie hubbard and there, the, of course on the record is ron carter and uh george benson's on a guitar air Chew's on there like there's so many crazy amazing musicians on this record so yeah that's mine ryan what you got yeah well this is the one that we were talking um which you had mentioned at the beginning of the ep yeah, and that nice. we were texting but the uh, the year call in Como. Yes, yes. I can't wait for my copy to um, get here. South African jazz masterpiece, 1968. Mm -hmm. uh, Mr. Bongo reissue, so you know it's going to be quality. Yes. yes. Uh, half speed mastered, cut at Abbey Road. I mean, this is great, and I think you know you can get from Bandcamp for around twenty bucks or so, yep. whatever it is. Yep, yep. You know, and shipping. Shipping was it ships. It shipped from the UK. Um, from you know Mr. Bongo. Yeah. Um, shipping was very reasonable. It was super fast. Um, but even the local, the local shops in my area, um, like as soon as this landed, visited one of my local shops and they had just gotten their batch in. Um, nice. so it was just like, I think this, this is, this is, this is pretty remarkable stuff. Awesome. Um, on the forums, I mean, they compare this to, you know, the, the top shelf studio Coltrane stuff. Yeah, I was and, gonna say I've been seeing a lot um, of those computers. You know, the late sixties, you know, Blue Note and Prestige and Impulse stuff yeah. that was going on in there during like they they put that in that tier. Yeah. because uh, the guy is just fire, the band's on fire. So no I, I, I cannot wait to check this out. I've heard yeah. so many so yeah. much great things about it. And when you finally when you co signed it, I, I kinda use you and Dalton as like the final co signers. Like if you if I talk to you guys and you guys like randomly bring up something like I don't even think about it after that. I just go. I just go and just buy it. Yeah. Like, it's like, all right, cool. Like yeah. they, 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 they said it was great. I want to take their word for it because I see. I saw so much, so much of. I think even in the description, they kind of compare. They draw comparisons to his style to Coltrane, right? And yeah. the description it of is. the record, Mr. Bongo. Who, yeah. by the way, Mr. Bongo, like you said, does an amazing job. Uh, so many of my reissues uh, for amazing, like quality, yeah. like rare jazz records, a jazz in world even. Um, come from Mr. Bongo, so like shouts out to Mr. Bongo yeah, for sure. sure. Um, but yeah, that record uh, it it stuck out to me for some reason. I think it was that description, kind of comparing him to Coltrane in a lot of ways. 
Um, so I, I, I sort of had it on my radar at one point, like I said, and then it fell off. And then I was like, and then you brought it up and I was like, shit, how did he know? Like there goes, <laughs> there goes 30 bucks right there. <laughs> Thanks <Yeah>. Ryan. <laughs> so, so yeah, great, yeah. great choice. Um, my next, uh, I, I've heard about this guy for a while, but never really mm. checked out. Oh, mm, I've never uh, heard of Delvin him. Lamar, uh, his organ trio. This has um, Jimmy James on guitar and Dave McGraw on drums. This is a live recording. Um, Delvin Lamar is, is through uh, Coal Mine Records, which is this great shop slash record label. Um, I want to say Coal Mine Records is connected with a, a plaid room. Plaidroom is a very popular um, online record place, and they have a brick and mortar store uh, right in the heart of Ohio. But I believe Coal Mines associated with oh, them. Cool. Like, yeah, yeah, they have, this big, they, they, have this, they have this building, mm -hmm. and the brick and mortar store is Plaidroom, and then connected to Plaidroom is this kind of record company reissue label mm -hmm. called Coal Mine Records. Um, so Delvin Lamar, um, Hammond B3 organ player, um, it, it's smoking. It's really amazing. The quality is great. Nice. Um, and his music is kind of, uh, jazz, blues, gospel tinge, some hard bop mm -hmm. and just like really fun. Um, just really fun, really kind of party vibe atmosphere. Um, you know, it's like that, you know, don't have to overly analyze or think too much it's just like mm -hmm. like portal like just feel good hammond b3 dirty yeah. gritty um so that was so that was like i was so impressed by that i went ahead and picked up this was like i think his first official mm. lp okay. um i told you so delvin lamar organ trio this is with jimmy james on guitar um and grant schroff on drums um, but again, through Coal Mine, uh, Coal Mine Records, I think they're associated with a um, with a pressing with a mastering pressing plant called uh, Gotta Groove. Yeah. yeah. Um, Gotta Groove does really amazing quality. Yep. Uh, yeah, Gotta Groove. Yeah, yeah, Gotta Groove does really amazing quality mastering and pressings. Um, they do a lot of like they pretty much do do it all in house, from the mastering cutting process all the way to the the pressing. Uh, they kind of do it all, yeah. all in there. Um, the live album that I would just, this is live at KEXP, mm -hmm. uh, Elvin Lamar organ trio. And then that led me to get his first official release, the I Told You So. Mm. Nice. Um, and yeah, nice quality gatefold, little Stoughton tip-on um, gatefold covers, just, and I think, the two Delvin Lamars each was like maybe 20 bucks or so. Sweet. Um, yeah. Sweet, so sweet. very reasonable. Yeah. Awesome. Stuff. Um, you know, there was some, there was some chatter on the forums 
um, that I kind of go where, you know, should there be more of an effort to support um, more modern contemporary jazz artists? Mm, because talk about it. if you just invest in the 50s and 60s stuff, you know what I mean? That's like, that's very archival. Yeah. And it has like a very museum like quality to it. But yeah. like Delvin Lamar, he's like, he's a young, I think 20, mid 20s dude trying to make a name for himself. Um, nice. And the guy is absolutely, the guy is awesome. He's fire. Um, so I think there's like this conversation that I, every once in a while it pops up like, Hey guys, I know you're into your 60s jazz, but <laughs> check out this like middle 20 year old kid. That's like amazing. Yeah. You know, right. I, I heard the same thing with Joel Ross, the vibraphone yeah. player. Yeah. Yeah. Blue yeah. Dalton's talked you about know? him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, you know, like the 50s and 60s stuff is great, but like you got, you got some pretty fire you musicians. Got some stuff now. And this is this is a really this is a really great little pre-topic topic point to talk about a little bit, to unpack just a little bit here. Um that's that's great. That's a great that's such a great point. Um on the last episode you heard me say with Tara, uh, and so I'm saying I'm guilty of this essentially, because one of the things that I look at when collecting my my records is I'm very very much in the past almost i would say yeah breaking it down into genres like my my collections like 70 percent jazz maybe 65 percent jazz probably 70 percent though closer to 70 percent um and out of that 70 percent um i would say all of my but all of my music i would say we're doing time time era or time pieced music um, all of my music, I would say 90, 94% of my music in my collection comes before 2000, oh, yeah. 2001, 2002, yeah. right? Like, no, mine, mine is, mine is very similar. Very, very old stuff. Very um, similar. Yeah. And, and, but this is a problem because there are so many amazing musicians out there now. And I've talked about this with Bruce. I've talked about it with Dalton. I've talked about it with you. We've talked about it where like, you know, there are so many great artists that are doing amazing music now. Um, people in all over the country, you name a state, there's, I guarantee you, there's a collective, a trio, a group doing some amazing stuff right now. Uh, you name a place on the on, in the world, I can tell you that there are some amazing musicians doing some amazing music right now. Why do you think it's hard? Because we've heard this thing, this slogan we hear about all genres they say hip-hop is dead they say jazz is dead why is it that we sort of romanticize an era and and sort of like hone in on that as opposed to sort of grow as the artists and the the, the genre grows like wh why do you think that yeah. is like um i mean this is not necessarily a direct answer to that question but kind of connected i think just one of the natures of the vinyl jazz community is that you know the majority of vinyl that does exist in the jazz community is 50s yeah, 60s yeah. i mean that's that's where the prime stuff combined yeah, yeah. with the the very nature of the vinyl jazz community is does seem to have a very strong like collecting philosophy yeah right there's just there's more there quote unquote of value to collect and to possess mm -hmm. whereas like most modern jazz musicians and artists are more concerned about their kind of live gigs and their live performances yeah that's true that's and, a good point 
Yeah. Um, they may not necessarily have the Physical distribution marks. or record label apparatus that yeah, necessarily yeah. wants to release. Um, because the reality is there they're just there isn't that crazy of a market for, you know, even Dell and Lamar, there's not a crazy market for a modern Hammond B3 jazz organ player. I mean, that's just the kind of the reality yeah, yeah. Um, of the situation. Or, you know, in Joel Ross's case, you know, a young to mid twenties, you know, jazz vibraphone but player. But we see, we see though, what happens is they, they hop on a hip hop album and yeah. you know, the next thing you know, they're like through the roof. Like, you know, they, you know, they, they get a, a little bit of shine on a Kendrick Lamar album or a J. Cole album. And then, you know, there goes their career, which is great, but it shouldn't take that, especially in our community, in our little niche, it shouldn't take that for them to be like, hey, like, buy our music, especially if they're putting it on vinyl for us to buy, because yeah. a, a lot of artists are now kind of getting back into that mode where they're, like you said, like, they're not as so focused on just the touring some artists are getting back into okay yeah i'm touring but i also want to press some vinyl because i know vinyl's yeah. kind of a thing now. oh yeah uh so i mean i think the other i guess you can hot take perspective on it is that um like musically there is a lot to be offered and defined in current modern jazz artists mm -hmm. but from a collecting perspective you know um, I guess like it's your it's your mindset, you know, are you in jazz vinyl because like you love the music mm -hmm. or is there a big part of your love for jazz vinyl in the the rarity and the collectingness and the hoarding and <laughs> the value, you know what I mean? Because yeah. like these these two Delvin Lamars, they're, they're 20 bucks each. You can yeah. you can Get order from Amazon and. You'll have it in your front step in a day or two, and it only costs you twenty bucks. And the, it's absolute amazing quality, and it's fire, and it's awesome. Um, but you know, I know just the reality of it is it's not going to get the same kind of social media IG tagged press that if you found like an original. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like yeah, we're, we're so the into the OGs for some reason. Yeah, yeah. you know, it's yeah. kind of like, like I. I I got an OG Delvin Lamar organ trio from yeah. 2020. Why is I mean, that I, not as valuable? Just, yeah. At, at, at a certain point, it's just it's just word games. It's just yeah, semantics. Yeah. No, You're just that's using, such you know what I mean? Point. Yeah, that's such a great point. <laughs> and it, and it's, it's, like, it's definitely a part of my philosophy, Ryan, um, because it, I, I've talked about Coco Roco. Uh, they're out of the UK. I've talked about, um, what is it, Sons of Kemet. I've talked about them. They're out of the UK. Um, Dalton's mentioned on the show some cats out of the, the DC area uh, who um, the, the names escape me right now I'm thinking about um, Luke Stewart Luke Stewart bassist uh, out of DC as well so all of these artists um, and, and so many more there's so many like you're naming you're naming cats I'm naming cats um, if you have music on vinyl we should be buying it just like i mean because essentially what's going to happen is one day this this music will be sought after just as much as the stuff we're seeking right now right the 60s and 70s stuff we have to i think if we can't rationalize it in any other way maybe that should be the way we look at it like hey like i, I get it like yeah like contemporary music you're not that into it you're more into the old stuff but you know this music does continue this music lives on uh you know it lives today and the artists who are doing it deserve 
not only your your attention uh, and credit for this work, um, but if they're putting the music on wax, uh, I think, and and I see this on IG. I see there's a sliver of us, um, and I say us like I do it, but like I said, my, most of my collections old stuff too. So I'm I'm to blame. I'm guilty here. But uh, there's a sliver of us on, on IG and in other places who really do talk about contemporary music, con contemporary jazz music, too. Uh, but it's a very small sl sliver. And I think, um, yeah, it's, it's not as a, it's not, like you said, it's not as a hot take um, talking about it. You see that you see that in the reactions and the engagement. Like it's sort of it's not as a big deal as if, you know, you're you find that OG six eye Miles Davis record kind of blue. Like then everyone in our community is going to be like, oh, my God, like, that's crazy. Like, that's great. But like, you know, we 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 have modern day Miles Davis's hanging around, making music, putting out albums. And we're like, oh, yeah, well, well I'll yeah. get to it, you know. <laughs> so maybe yeah. we need to start treating that as if like that's going to may, maybe looking at it in a different light. And, and maybe that's not the right way to look at it. But I don't know. So, yeah. yeah. But yeah, that's uh, that was a really um, that was really good point uh that was a really good thing to bring up ryan that was awesome uh really glad you brought that up actually um yeah because I, i've been thinking about that lately myself with uh just my lack of like even the cats that i do know and i do support like I, there's just so many more out there you know and, and the records i have don't reflect the fact that i know these guys that I, I know musicians who are making music you know putting music on wax um, I should have a little bit more in my collection from them. That's all. So, you know, <laughs> so I got, I got one now. I got one now. I'm going to yeah. check them out. Uh, and yeah. I, I hope that I dig it so I can grab it. I know I want to yeah. dig it because, you know, if you dig it, then I'm probably going to end up digging it too. So yeah man. yeah, man. So next up is the, the long awaited topic um, of the show. So today we're not going to be so vinyl heavy. In fact, uh, I, I want to frame this around our community, though, because, you know, it's a vinyl definitely. show. Um, definitely, definitely. But I was reading, uh, there was this Washington Post article, and I sent it to you, Ryan. And mm -hmm. it's, this article is extremely interesting because I noticed this trend. It's sort of, and when I first when I first peeped it, I, it sounded a little apocalyptic to me. I was like, what the fuck? Like, why are, they, why are people selling their catalogs? Like, what is going on? <laughs> um, but then the more and more it started to happen, I realized that this was uh, this was an economic game, right? This is something that is is going on for maybe maybe big reasons, maybe bigger reasons than I first uh, first imagined. Um, and, and so, uh, this Washington Post article detailed um, that a lot of older artists are now selling their catalogs and we've all heard this in the news um yeah. from bob dylan to i think who's the other big one i want to say well i was thinking bruce i think bruce springsteen, bruce springsteen has, yeah, yeah. or yeah, will yeah. be yep yep um linda ronstadt yep um, tina turner was it tina turner yep, was tina a big turner one was a big one yep yeah. And it's it's incredible. So I want to talk about what this means for vinyl, which is an interesting little angle to to bring it bring it to. Um, one of the things that I noted right away, uh, and I noted I note this with different artists. I think Prince had this. Well, Jimi Hendrix was also a really good example of this. Yes. Like whoever owns his estate uh, and yes. you know sold it off or whatever. I'm not oh, yeah. no shots at all, but. Like they put out so much music uh, because they have the rights to it. I, the, yeah. the, whoever the record label is or whoever, you know, 
yeah. owns that. And most of that reissued stuff was actually pretty quality. It's amazing That's stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah, amazing stuff. I, I own a lot of uh, Jimi Hendrix and uh, reissue and and some yeah. older stuff. Uh, so no shots there, like I said. But um, but yeah, I, I, and when I noted that, it was just like there is is there a downside to to sort of a a flooding if you will um of reissues or 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 represses that will happen when artists sell their catalogs back to the labels and we all know essentially what the labels are going to end up doing i mean nine times out of ten right am i wrong or am i right here um i'm unsure yeah, so I, I checked out that Washington Post mm-hmm. and Rolling Stones did a version of that same kind of story um, a while couple back. months back. Yeah, yeah. And it's been a hot topic. What it, what it seems like, I think first and foremost, um, the like the 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 groups that are paying you know the two hundred and fifty to five hundred million dollars mm-hmm. is like what what a lot of these deals are. Um, the groups that are paying this money, um, they appear to be mostly like private equity and investment firms. Okay. And what they're basically doing is, it's, it's basically an investment for them. Like there's, they're they're giving Bob Dylan whatever it was, was it maybe yeah, two hundred fifty? Two hundred fifty, yeah. Yeah. So they're they're that's a two hundred fifty million dollar investment to basically own his music, and like the way that the current economy is set up is that they see that as a solid investment because it's basically it's recession proof it's it inflation proof it like it's it's art it's music yeah. it's the whole yeah. it's the same reason why people are going crazy for like the the nfts and all that stuff because yeah. you know theoretically its value won't it, it won't be affected by like the real world issues of like pandemic and global distribution, all that stuff. This is why artists are able to live off that stuff. Yeah. They keep it. Right. So that's, that's sort of the, the the other side. But then the next question is, so to the, to this private equity firm that's paying $250 million, like how are they going to actually benefit from that investment? Mm. I don't think it's mostly through vinyl. It probably won't be. It's going to be, I think, I think where the space is like, for example, um, my wife and I, we have a Peloton. Mm -hmm. So a very big, yeah. So that's like, you know, the, the fitness industry is, is big. That's like, that's a billion, multi-billion dollar Mm -hmm, industry. mm -hmm. So that, that made like groundbreaking news that because the Bowie rights are now, you know, they're free to distribute, you know, you know, Peloton's going to be making a lot of bank the people that own the music yeah the music gonna be making a lot of bank gonna be from that bank. yeah yeah um, so what about the commercials because that that just made me think because now i mean with you saw this with prince yeah when prince passed i think there was a lot there was an open sesame essentially on like what his music was used for yes. uh he was very he was very upfront um and vocal about what he did and did not want his music mm-hmm. to be useful yes of course you know after you know you're gone you can say all yeah. that stuff but unless you got some legal documentation and you know, your estate doesn't get sold um yeah. your music's going to be in a new target commercial commercial right <laughs> so yeah. it's just kind of what it is um yeah. and so i mean these these people are gonna also you know sort of rake in a little bit with this yeah. too right like i mean you're gonna start seeing these people's music and commercials right and then yeah. other advertisements um, this is how people make money. 
um, this is how those companies ret- have a RTO, right? A, a return on investment or ROT or whatever, or <laughs> ROI, sorry. <laughs> yeah, you know, you get your return on investment by essentially, you know, advertising, uh, advertising dollars. I'm, I'm glad that you brought up the NFT point though, uh, because I think that this has a little bit to do with that, honestly. I mean, buying the rights to someone's catalog or having the rights to someone's music means a lot. It means probably a lot, yeah. a lot more than what it did 20 years ago. It means yeah. a lot more now than anything, um, because now you can, uh, and to keep it super plain, you can upsell, right? I mean, yeah, you can now. You have this whole catalog for sale. Uh, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. And whoever you. owns these rights, I mean, basically now that they've paid for full control of it, mm-hmm. I mean, they're getting one hundred percent return. Yeah. Of whatever ad ad advertising dollars or you know streams or you know however that money is divvied up i mean it basically all goes to them um I do have so from a long, yeah oh, from I'm a long from a long-term perspective i i totally i i get why the artists are doing it because if you're mm-hmm. bob dylan you're boom you're what 80 years old yeah 80, right? yeah, he's 80. um you know it's he he has what he has kids he has grandkids he has yeah. great grandkids like you know a lot of these artists are at an age where they have to think about like their estate yeah and when they pass away they're not necessarily wanting to leave this like oh i'm leaving with you like the rights to my music yeah. versus yeah. um i made 500 million dollars off of selling my rights and you know yeah, each grandkid each grandkid gets 50 million bucks yeah, yeah. you know no, it, it, it sort of makes sense because now when we get into that area that's interesting. If anyone knows anything about how uh, state rights work, I, I, don't, I don't know shit about it. But I do know one thing. it's It sort of works like books and like records and like everything else. If you don't know what you have, which sometimes you cannot know what you have, um, you may get took. <laughs> you, yeah. you may get took. And so I think I never even thought about it like that, uh, Ryan, but because I've always imagined um, these children have like the most astute lawyers and financial people around them, but a lot of times they don't. That stuff has to be hired, right? That stuff has to that comes at a price too. Um, so maybe it's sparing your offspring, your your uh, your people, the headache of having to do that. Why not just give give them the gift that keeps on giving, which is yeah, you know exactly. thirty million dollars a piece for yeah. for all my gifts, like true generational wealth that will last them and their children. That they can actually do um, something with whatever yeah, they want exactly. to do with whatever it. Whatever it is, have to whatever worry about the selling off of it, or if it if it goes exactly. to market and it sells right, or sells correctly or properly or whatever, and doesn't get lowballed, they don't have to worry about none of that. So that makes sense actually. Um, what I worry about, and I want to come back to the vinyl piece, is there going to be any difference with vinyl? Is there going to be anything that we see with vinyl that's going to be a little shaky um, or weird? More reissues, more uh, more represses. Like, what are we going to see vinyl-wise from uh, a lot of these artists now that they're... I'm really, I, I was thinking about this when you sent over the notes, and I it's, it's truly unsure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because... Um, you know, the money to be made, I'm still of the opinion that the true money to be made from these deals by the purchasers, um, isn't through vinyl. Because they're not going to make any money off of it. Vinyl no. is just such, such a high cost thing Yeah, no, no, no. Right? versus these companies, you know, these groups, 
because now they own 100% of the rights, mm-hmm. they, they'll make way more money digitally through yeah. streaming yeah, and true. through advertising, through Peloton, through, through TikTok. But I'm thinking about specialty music. Like, you know, we always get these and, and maybe these, this isn't even a part of the deal, but you know, we always get this stuff, especially when artists pass, not usually when they sell. Um, but we usually get these in the vault type of records or repackaged their remastered version of, you know, of the, the great, the Bruce Springsteen's greatest hits. Um, what's that one album of his that I really love? It's classic. Everyone loves it. Was made in the born in the USA. Born in USA. Born in USA. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to remaster that and, you know, (laughs) sell it, sell it on vinyl. And yes, it's going to be a small sliver of uh of the profit margin of what that uh of what they own um but you know th- they can still do it and make you know people yeah. are gonna buy it people are gonna, at least yeah. record stores are you know you're gonna see it in every record store at least you know sitting in the people the will buy it release that, recent that release can, yeah <laughs> if they release a fancy dancy you know vinyl you know deluxe reissue again of a lot of this stuff i mean there's definitely a market but you're saying um, they just probably won't end up doing that because it just doesn't make financial sense up front. I just don't think it. Yeah, I don't think they would necessarily because it wouldn't make financial sense for them. And because it's you can make more money off of like millions of digital streams mm-hmm. <laughs> in the in the past. That's not necessarily the case because those streams would be divvied up amongst yeah, who actually true. owns the songs yeah. and the compositions yeah. and who owns like the the mastering product yeah. but now that they've actually now that the artists have actually sold everything off yeah the person purchasing it is it's it's one of those strange things if i really break down the math in 10 15 20 years the 200 plus million dollars that they're paying for this stuff it's actually a really, it's actually a pretty good investment yeah it's yeah. a very rare scenario of like a win-win situation for the 80 year old artist that is not going to make any more money off of their music. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Not they're, in they're the, not, not in the most direct sense essentially, yeah. especially. So yeah. so it benefits them and their and their kids and grandkids and great grandkids to to cash in on Cashing their in like, oh, yeah. On that's that's going to be the title of this uh this e, this EP, right? <laughs> Cashing in yeah. the chips. Yeah, that's yeah. what we're talking about. And then, you know, if you're one of these private equity firms that's got 200 million bucks to basically buy the rights to music like you clearly aren't um you're you're clearly not starving for cash where yeah. you can just make a 200 plus million investment and hedge it for the future for 10 15 20 years down the line mm-hmm. um i guess as i'm talking through this my my fear and concern for vinyl is that like the vinyl will become i guess more devalued mm. right because we need aren't we do the, anyway. the reason why the reason why vinyl is valuable is that mm. yet yeah, there, there's there's a market for people purchasing vinyl but for the people that make and produce vinyl like mm. the major record labels they see it as as of now, they see it as a viable option to, to um, this. for their own yeah. kind of brand marketing and, mm-hmm. and labeling and all that kind of stuff. But I, I'm just fearful because um, even like when I talk to like my students, you know, I teach junior high music. Uh, you know, one of the questions I brought up recently is like, like, how many of you actually pay for music? Like out of your own pocket? Like, not many. Yeah. 
because even the streaming service even even the streamers you know there's enough like free spotify free yeah, youtube yeah. that and then and then the next question i asked them is well like if you're not paying for music like how do how does it make money and the mm. and kids they're really smart they, they know they yeah they know it's like ads. oh yeah i have a free spotify but there's all these advertisements ads, and see ad dollars yeah. and you know that's kind of um that's really where the true money is, unfortunately. Yeah, that makes sense. So you're, so I want to get this correct because I, I mean, in my notes, I, I, I laid it out. I was like, man, I'm so worried about vinyl right now because we are due for essentially what you mentioned. It's coming at us from all angles. It's, it's the oversaturation. It's, it's very popular right now, of course, um, but it's due for a little decline. We all know that. We all know that it's coming, right? Um, I'm just hoping to get my hands on some really valuable reissues when that time oh, yeah. comes <laughs> for the for the next. One thing that we, you know, the one thing, the one lesson that we should we should learn is that because the actual vinyl format is so durable, mm -hmm. like vinyl is proving to be more durable of a format physically than like CDs. Yeah, yeah. Actually, you could even argue vinyl is more durable of a format than even like digital downloads. So people that were downloading music and putting it on hard drives mm -hmm. or on some kind of like MP3, MP3 type player, hard drives, yeah. I mean, hard drives, they fail. Yeah, you know, you know, a lot. Um, if you don't spin and activate these hard drives um, every so often, you know, you'll, you'll try to load them up in like 10 or 15 years, you won't be able to. Um, and even I'm not sure if you found this with your with CDs, mm -hmm. but I checked some of my CDs. A lot of my CDs they're rotting. Yo, I, I when you brought that up like, last like time, like weird like rock green black spots. When on you them. brought that up last time, I have a box of CDs over here, uh, right next to my turntable. And um, when you said that last time, I yeah. like literally when we got done with that conversation, I ran to my CDs. <laughs> yeah. and I was just checking. Yeah. Um, I don't think I've had most of my CDs that long. Uh, I think most of my CDs came about. So yeah, uh, uh, probably the the oldest CDs in that uh, in that bin are ten years old, which is kind of old actually. So maybe yeah. I, maybe the ones at the bottom are the ones I need to go check because yeah. they may have that rot that yeah. you're talking about. So yeah, yeah. but you know, yeah, the the one lesson we should learn is that when people started ditching vinyl for CDs and digital. The group, the group that knew I'm not going to ditch my vinyl just quite yet. If, if anything, I'm going to use this hole in the market to hoard. Yep. Get more stuff. They're, they're banking. Yeah. They're, they, yeah. they are banking now. Do you? So my, I would, I would recommend when you see an eventual like a dip, a dip, dip. in vinyl property. It's going to be a very light one, I'm sure, because yeah. our community is grown. Don't get rid of the vinyl. Yeah. Like if it. anything, you want to purchase more vinyl. Hold on to it. I'm going to, this is a hot take. I, I hope, I hope vinyl tanks. Cause <laughs> yeah, I'm going to buy low. I'm going to buy low. And then I'm going to be banking in Yo, 10, 15, 20 years. I know exactly yeah. where I'm going too. See, like, I mean, when I first got into this, I, I remember like I would go to little trade shows and all types of stuff like that. And I didn't know what I was looking at half the time. And like, I feel like I, probably passed up on some um, some amazing things some amazing vinyl um so yeah i i'm i'm with you ryan i wanted to tank because i i got my i got my list now i, I know what i'm looking for <laughs> so, so so i'm stacking up but uh but I, honestly with that said though with the whole tanking 
jokes right you know like honestly i i don't want to say it's too big to fail but i sort of feel like the community sort of grown in the last 10 years since i've been in, in it especially um it's so short-lived that's what that's essentially what i'm saying it's so it, it, like the the downturn will be like a month and then the next resurgence is here right like yeah. you know <laughs> then because uh, from the 2000s and people who've been collecting way longer than i can tell you 2000 was a resurgent a resurgent year then it was 2007 yeah. and then it was 2009 and then it was 2011 and then it was 2012 yeah. and then it was 2014 yeah. and then it was 2015. so yeah. these years i mean the downturns are they see a lot of people in our community go but these people are i think who are the people to go first in the community, Ryan? Who oh, are yeah. People who I think, sell first? I mean, I guess you can, you know, like, you know, they're they're speculating the market is basically mm -hmm. what's, you know, they 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 sense or see a trend, but they're kind of behind the trend. Mm -hmm. So they're like trying to dip and speculate yeah. into the whole vinyl community market, but they're not really necessarily establishing roots mm -hmm. as yeah. a as a collector, as a listener. So, you know during a resurgence they might pick up 10 15 20 records but they're not really listening to them or invested in them oh, yeah, yeah yeah and then they'll eventually sell them off yeah, when them, yeah. they move on well, not you know. them, that's a bad word but yeah 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 that's interesting uh, but kind of circling it back to this it. whole you know artists and and their labels i guess as we're talking through it i've got more i don't really see that it'll impact the vinyl community either positive or negative mm -hmm. just because i've got enough faith in the vinyl format and community itself that it'll mm -hmm. be pretty self-sustaining mm -hmm. even through the ups and downs of whatever is going to happen in the future to be honest with the you the core is strong the core is yeah. strong you're yeah, right about it, that yeah it really is yeah yeah it has so many there's so many um I mean, we have essentially, I don't want to call them leaders, but we do have like people in this community who essentially yeah. are like the, uh, yeah, gatekeepers, even worse word. <laughs> what am I trying to say, right? Yeah. <laughs> we have people in this community who are, who are great watchers of like yeah. what's, what's real or what's authentic and what's sort of like, uh, I don't know. Like, I mean, yeah. that's how we have. Even, like, and mm -hmm. when you think of the, I guess like, the leaders within the vinyl community, whether it be from like a production standpoint, yep. consuming standpoint, yep. social media, yep, I was gonna say, yeah, feed, review standpoint, yeah, they don't, they're not like super old, right? yeah, they're yeah, not, yeah. they're not, they're they're probably you know they're peers. buying, they're, peers, they're probably peers, a little bit more, sure. they're probably like millennial Gen X, yeah. so forties, fifties, like a lot of the YouTube, I would say thirties, forties, fifties, yeah, yeah, That's so it's just. And they seem pretty settled and established that they're this is this is something that they truly love. Yeah. And that they're gonna maintain this level of investment and commitment to the community, regardless of as music transitions into the Peloton space and NFT yeah, yeah. space and the and the TikTok, you, you cannot one thing's for certain, especially for um, younger kids and the kids that I teach music, mm -hmm. I I am uh, pretty for certain based on my conversations with my students that the majority of music that they learn about and exposed to is actually through social media platforms like TikTok. Yeah, TikTok. Yeah. I was going to say yeah, that's that is really how Jeez. 
yeah that's a yeah. whole different thing right yeah. there like and and that's that's going to eclipse the streaming platform right like yeah. in my opinion yeah. that's going to be that's going to be the next thing right i agree like, i agree um and so like you're going to see it probably probably in the next 10 five to 10 years maybe not that maybe even not that long um but you're going to see these ads that are being placed on this stuff. Oh, yeah. So they, oh, yeah. these people, you can release a track straight on TikTok or straight on IG. Yeah. And this yeah. is now, you know, you, you listen to it here and maybe you can, maybe there's a download function or something. I don't know. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, that is, and, that's going to be the wave for sure. Yeah. And that's why I do understand just because how pervasive, you know, a 30 second clip of a song, how, how yeah. often that can be listened to over and yeah. over again. <laughs> And now that 100% of those of those monies mm-hmm. are going to these investment groups that have purchased these catalogs, yep. um, no, the, I I I I don't. Uh, I would definitely foresee they're going to make a lot of money from these deals. Yeah, right. Yeah, artists, in this way, in this the way you yeah. we, we just outlined. Yeah, I think that's that's going to be where a lot of that ROI comes from. That return yeah. on investment, which I'm 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 perfectly fine because. I'm fine with them not bothering with the vinyl stuff. Yeah. We don't, we don't want these private equity groups saturating the vinyl market because it's already no, getting, yeah. I was about to it's say, already, and, and that's already, where the, yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. Cause that's where my concern was I, in, in the oversight and in, in reading the article and the oversight and thinking about this was probably just seeing what I've seen from some of the, some of the, the things in our community already the like you said oversaturation you see um everyone sort of like uh, having the labels the new thing almost like and there's the reissue outfits like they're they're growing i feel like by the day like i'm, I'm almost tapped out of like <laughs> the reissue outfits yeah. um i mean there's some amazing ones and we need we need more people pressing vinyl obviously we need more people making vinyl so it's a weird double-edged sword but at the same time it's just yeah i didn't when I read that, I didn't want it to be, oh, we're, and, and of course, this is going to be a small part. I'm, I know we're not a big target for these private equity people. They're looking at big fish, which is the TikTok stuff, the IG stuff. But in the same time, you know, they're going to see the small, they're going to see the small numbers. They're going to see the numbers of, you know, hey, we can make, make $300,000 off of vinyl. <laughs> and all we got to do is, you know, allocate maybe $2 million to get some stuff pressed you know, <laughs> put a few cool stickers on there because you know me and you yeah. both are, you know, we're, we're suckers for hype stickers. Yeah. You know, so, you know, next thing you know, you know, they they got all the you know Bruce Springsteen and uh, all of the Bob Dylan records uh, that they can. And I mean, I'm short on some Bob Dylan stuff. I sold some of my Bob Dylan records, so I need I need to get some of my stuff back. Mm-hmm. So like, when I read that, I was like, man, like. Damn, like, is this mean like his his records are gonna be like sort of especially his OG stuff? They may be, you know, sort of out of commission, and now the reissue stuff is maybe all you can get your hands on. That's the case with most artists nowadays, anyway. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, I, I didn't know what to make of it, so I'm glad you cleared that up because your concerns okay. are way more valid than mine. At first, uh, we're oversaturated in the vinyl community. Um, I don't think we can we can deal with uh, any more pressure from yeah. that from that perspective, and I don't think we'll have to necessarily, yeah. especially if they're looking at the big at the big picture which is yeah we we're, we're we're small fish yeah to their the big fish that they're trying to reel in is going to be primarily through digital and social media that makes sense 
Makes sense, uh, man. Which is, I'm, I'm happy with. Yeah, yeah, same. I, you know, same. bottom line, like, leave, leave us alone. Yes, Just, yes. Yeah. yeah. But <laughs> if I could tell you, man, I, I've heard, you know, and I'm glad that, like, the artists are at least good, but, like, they're so, like, I was, I found myself in a wormhole um, this morning. I woke up a little late. I was dealing with some, uh, some hangover issues. <laughs> And uh, I was going through uh, the Instagram stories, I think they're called, the little little shorts or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, man, like those that 30 seconds of music on every one of those clips, and that's just like everything you're seeing every time, every new video. It's just like bad, bad, not good. Now I'm glad, like I said, I'm glad it's good music because bad, bad, not good is an amazing mm-hmm. group. But um, there are some other songs too that were super catchy and i was like oh who is this and you see the little song underneath and you can kind of tag it and you know or hit it and you know you, you get redirected i'm sounding like an old man right now <laughs> but but yeah you know like and so this is this is the way of the future essentially um and i embrace it uh because it does sort of open up the market for different artists um uh, I mean, the financial piece is going to get more complicated for the artists, which I'm an advocate for. So I, I want it to be as simple as possible for the artists. I want them to get paid. I want them to be justly paid. Um, and so I think that now with that, that, that opens a whole new can of worms, right? Like how, who's, who's going to break up the ad money? Is it going to be, you have a label that breaks it up. You're still going to be signing these traditional record labels for, you know, for these artists to essentially divvy up your money. Uh, or is it going to be essentially the the nail in the coffin for uh, a lot of music record labels? I mean, and, you know, they've been hanging on by a thread for the last what, oh, yeah. 20 years. And so will, will this be that that piece where it's like, hey, like I'm an indie, I'm an independent artist. I don't need I don't need a label for literally anything now and not even distribution, which is the, like yeah. I said, the only thing that they're kind of used for now. So I don't know. It's all it's all interesting stuff is speculation. Um Ryan, you're the man for clearing that up. And um, yeah, if you have any any questions, concerns, uh, or ideas about what we are talking about, you want to get in on a discussion, um, please feel free to reach out to both of us. Uh, you can reach out to us at the Record Spinner Podcast at gmail.com, or you can re- reach out to Ryan directly at Ryan's email. RyanClaren at gmail.com. And then IG, uh, Ryan Claren Tones. Sweet. And uh, that is our time. Um, you can uh, you will find us on our next episode. I think we're going to be interviewing um, a DC store owner, record store owner. Uh, that's going to be a great episode. Uh, so stay tuned for that. And uh, we'll catch you guys on the next one. Peace. Peace.